Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And we are coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios when you want the ability to adjust your loan options in real time. Folks, remember, Rocket can. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio, 855-2124-CBS. Going to get to the phones here in just a moment. i got to welcome in Pierno. Hello. Hello, Kenny. Hello, Ken. Top now, we're going to do top five different. We're not doing the top five just next because it's going to be a short segment. Yeah. Because we got, I got, Na- to, we got, I got NASCAR owner coming up. You're right. I got to be out I got to be out on time haired. I got to be out haired because I got to get out so I can get back in and welcome in Matt Tift coming up at 11.15. NASCAR owner. How old is he? You said he's 24? 24 years old. Youngest owner in NASCAR. Holy Lord almighty. 24 years old from up in my neck of the woods. So he's the co-owner of the Live Fast Motorsports number 78 Ford Mustang. And he'll join us on the show coming up at 11.15. So I want to have plenty of time for him. we got Marco Belletti at the bottom of the hour. And then we'll do our top five coming up then. If I'm not talking about Dale Earnhardt. These are t- these, this is the time of year I like to talk about Dale. 20, All hail tw- Dale. 20th anniversary. Unbelievable. Time flies. Yeah. Been a long time. Man, it feels like it was just yesterday, sad to say. Been a long time. So, Pirino. All right. Well, again, yeah, tomorrow it's a Super Bowl of races, the Great American Race, the Daytona 500. So, we're going to do the top five Daytona 500 finishes. So, whether it, so whether it was just, whether it was a wacky, crazy finish or just a, a memorable victory by one of the drivers, yes. top five Daytona 500 finishes. I bet you and I are going to be in lockstep. This might be a quick one. This might be a quick one. I bet you and I are going to be. And I have a little surprise for you yeah. today, Kenny, with this what? top what? five. We're going to what? include some audio. We have some audio to go with some of these. Four out of the five clips because the other clip just didn't sound too good. So, I'm, I'm betting one there's going to be. And there's a fight. Both drivers, they are frustrated. They know <laughs> they have lost. <laughs> oh, that's great. Gotta love Ken Squire. It's Ken Squire, man. Gotta love Ken Squire. 855 cbs All right, I was going to talk about Urban, and I will. Let me get to Jack and – I don't know how this is going to go. Let me get to Jack and Coco Beach, Florida. He's next up on CBS Sports Radio. Hello, Jack. Hey, Ken. I'm from Rocky River originally. I heard your uh, voice on the radio, and I uh, couldn't believe it. It's really right. glad to hear your voice. Feels well, like glad. home again. Well, thank yeah. you. Go Okay, yes, Jack. Sir. What now, now, it says here – <laughs> I want to no, just go ahead with the call here. I want to see where this is going to go. Thank you, though. But go ahead. All right. Now, I might recall this incorrectly. You're here to correct me. Okay. But when you, you, you fell on this sword 
Very good, Gary. I mean, you, you really did fall on the sword, and, and you. Uh, you probably got all your listeners believing that you really feel bad for how you went for the Kansas City Chiefs. I do. But, however, I'd like to remind you of how all in you were with Johnny Manziel. So now I want you to compare these two heirs, and now you this can is, tell America which this is one great. you find worse. Okay, go ahead. Yes, I was on this network when Johnny Manziel was playing for the Cleveland Browns, okay? Now let yes, me tell sir. you this. Yes, the sir. Johnny Manziel, and this is, this is another lesson learned because ultimately yeah. I'm, I let my emotions get to me. <laughs> I wanted him to work out yes. so badly yeah, I that I, I refused to see – some of the warning signs, and in fact, I refuse to listen to some of the warning yeah. signs because, well, yeah. you know, my co-host in yeah, Cleveland can can well he, back in, before he got basically he he's got a serious girlfriend now, but back in the day, you know, Anthony used to used to go out in downtown, and boy, he'd get the reports, and he'd go, Kenny, this guy, and he wouldn't say he wouldn't say it on the air. Jack's laughing because he knows about this. This. Guy, yeah. folks in Cleveland, the, the Johnny Wars were something that was real. Like, they could do a 30 for 30 called the Johnny Wars on what wow. went on with media and fans about Johnny Manziel when he got drafted by the Cleveland Browns. And he would tell you me, go, that. Kenny, like he – and but I got so indignant over not even giving him a chance <laughs> that it flipped me, and then he ended up – I mean, you know. Yeah. Yeah, we all know how that ended up. So, but yeah, well, I mean, yeah, other, yeah, 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 yeah. There was there was some other local uh, talk sports talking heads that were that doubled down far worse than you. I don't. I'm not going to name their names, but uh, you, you know, know who they are. You know mm-hmm. who they are. Mm-hmm. And and you know, and that's really all the basis was mm-hmm. as 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 a people in the city and in a hardcore sports town, Cleveland is. We wanted it to work out exactly. You yeah. said that. We just really wanted it to yeah. be true. Yep. Regardless of what our senses were telling us. Yep. All right. Now going going forward. Now I I, I wanted to uh, talk a little bit on on the Super Bowl and that, but I don't think we have enough time. I'd like you to jump on your top thoughts on who we need to bring in for the Browns, because I'll tell you what. There's a million listeners right now. Since the Browns backers is the largest fan backer organization in in the NFL, you got a lot of fans out there listening who who want to listen to you and turn it into your show right now that want to hear you talk on national radio about well, what the Browns need. Your top well, Jack, yeah. Oh, my top three guys I'd bring in? Uh, I yeah. think, okay, the, some of these, as uh, uh, far as realistic guys, because this is, this is what yeah, makes realistic. it tough here. This is what makes it tough here, Jack, is that if anybody names a free agent, if you are, if you were one of the last eight teams in the NFL and the Browns were one of them, then I think that you can name any free agent. I go, yeah, go for him. You, you can win now. Your window's open now. Go ahead and go for that guy. And that can right. turn into a bad thing. That could, I mean, Tennessee fans were pretty excited about Vic Beasley before, and that thing went to hell very, very quickly. So I, I get that there's two sides to this. If I were going to name guys right off the top, yes, I'd love to take a swing. And it's, and I know it's because Buccaneer fans might be listening. They go, well, he said something else. Okay, fine, but we got a little bit of time for a free agency. Love right. Levante David. Love Shaq Barrett. Yeah. Yep. Um, I tell you what, and I heard from Zach Jackson yesterday that, there will be a couple of Pittsburgh Steelers that have that are on the shopping list. Like, most notably, Cam Sutton. Wow, and that, that might be Browns uniform. Yeah, wow. yeah, that that might be a player that I, I'd be interested in too. Jack, I, and I thank you very much for the call. I got to run. I thank you very much for the kind words as well. Yeah, I, I ended up getting very emotional about the Johnny Manziel stuff, and boy, God, was I wrong. That probably what made us dislike him even more. If you're one of the, yeah, if you're a playoff team, I, and I'd even expand it to that if you really thought, unless you were one of the teams that maybe backed, like if you're the Bears or something like that, maybe you feel different about it. 
But if you were in a divisional round playoff game, yeah, see what you can do. Unless you really have no faith in your quarterback whatsoever. Like, I did get a tweet for about J.J. Watt. Ken, you got to mention Indianapolis with J.J. Watt. They don't have a quarterback. Yeah, they don't have a quarterback. If if they can convince Andrew Luck to come back or they can make a trade for somebody not named Carson Wentz, because I have zero faith in Carson Wentz. Sorry, I have zero faith in him. None. One year with anonymous sources is one thing. Two years and three years with anonymous sources as you as a teammate, I have a problem with. You have other people in that organization now. If we're still hearing that, that's a major red flag to me. That's a refusal to either believe that it's part of it's your fault or refusal to get better. Either way, I don't want any part of it. And I don't know if Indianapolis, as much as people say, well, Frank Reich, Frank Reich had a relationship. Yeah, Frank Reich can be sitting there going, we don't want any part of this guy. No. So I wouldn't want any. If you were a Colts fan, I'd be very skittish on that. Very skittish. The Colts would make sense if they had a quarterback in place right now. Save me the Easton stuff. But if you're one of these other teams and throwing them in there, yeah, go ahead. Any any free agent that's out there, you can take your swing. You can give up first-round picks. Guys like me, when we covered teams that were terrible for a long time, fans of teams for a long time, fan, people who are fans of teams that are bad for any consecutive stretch of years, they're the ones who obsess over draft picks. You know, one thing that I'll give the Patriots, even though that, yeah, it looked like they were old Mother Hubbard there right at the end of the year, even though they were still 7-9, and nine, it wasn't like they were 1-15 and 15 and the bottom completely fell out. Is their draft picks weren't that great over the last five, six years, seven years? They didn't make a big damn deal about it. Sometimes I do think drafting is overrated. Sometimes I do think the first-round picks can be, if you have a guy – if you have a quarterback, your picks can be overrated. If you give everything up around them, you end up like the Houston Texans. But if you're bringing in talent, like last year when the Steelers went out and got Minka Fitzpatrick and some people, well, they really need to tank this thing out. Why? I don't know if it's over with Ben Roethlisberger just yet. Why wouldn't you want to get Minka Fitzpatrick? If you had Minka Fitzpatrick, would you or would you not want to draft a guy at number 18 where that ended up being who's as good as him? You would want that guy. So if you're one of the teams that are in the NFL that you believe you got a real shot, Go ahead and make your swing. Take your swing at any one of those free agents out there. There are a lot of guys out there that might be ring chasing. You want to be able to convince them that you're one of the teams that are worth doing it. 855-2124-CBS. I'll get to Urban Meyer coming up. I promise that. Probably around top five because I think the top five is kind of being locked up with Anthony Pirino and myself. Up next, though, Matt Tift, co-owner, Lift Fast Motorsports, the number 78 Ford Mustang we're talking NASCAR. We're talking Daytona 500 next on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. 855-2124-CBS, 855-2124-227. I better not get stiff, Pierno. It better not happen. Matt Tiff set to join us any moment now. The 60-second running of the Daytona 500. If I do, we might end up having to do top five right now, even though I haven't even gotten ready for it. Get always got, always got to get a phone number, you know? Well, if, if you can, if you can, I know, Pierno. I know it's not always possible. They don't always want to give it out, but. 
I know. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it works. Usually NASCAR is very good with us. And this is a team owner. He should be very good with us. Now, th th there is stress today as he gets ready for the Daytona 500 tomorrow and the driver BJ McLeod. So we just find ourselves in a bit of a holding pattern right now as we try to get this all figured out. Because I don't want to – the Urban Meyer thing is so big, I don't want to have to cut it off. So if I have to, I have to. 855-2124-CBS. So as we wait for Matt Tift, I had to get this this going here because I, I take no – there's no semblance of, well, I was, I, I was glad I was right. I didn't think that this would happen this suddenly. And I think Urban Meyer is lear learning a very tough lesson right now is that this isn't college football, and I think he's very excited about this. But I also think he should remember this isn't college football. You bring in a guy like Chris Doyle, and when you have professionals, because there were so there were a lot of think pieces out there, and I'm now and I know where I'm from, and I know we just took a caller from where I'm from. I I am not an Ohio State fan. I don't claim to be. I never will. Don't even start on that. And Pirino rolls his eyes because I always have to use that disclaimer when we start talking about Urban Meyer or, or anything that ever has to do with Ohio State. When Urban Meyer first started to get the idea of going to the NFL. I did not have reservations for the same reasons that other people had reservations. People got very upset. The think pieces came out about 30 arrests at Florida, what happened at Ohio State, and I said, it's just, it's not the same. I can be indignant. I can be disgusted. I can say all these things. And, and the think piece is it doesn't change. 30 arrests are 30 arrests, and, and what happened at Ohio State was, was awful. And, it's, and I so many times said nobody wants to believe anybody close to them are bad. That's not an excuse. That's an explanation. So was Zach Smith and that whole thing got ugly, nobody wants to believe, while the texts were there, nobody wants to believe that people that they're close to, grandsons of people that they look up to, are somebody that can, is a person that could be nefarious, that can be a poor figure. Nobody wants to do that. And so, again, not as an excuse, but I didn't think any of that mattered in the NFL because in the NFL, it's you have the law for that. We have a rule system in the NFL where you can kick that up to – you can suspend guys from a team if you really wanted to. You can find players from a team. That usually happens with with teams. But suspensions, things of that, things of that nature are usually left up to the league. You have league laws. You have owners that come together for it. It's usually left up to them. And when it comes to anything else, that's what the law is for. Your professional, your professional football players, this is a job. That's what the cops are for. And that's an ugly thing to say, but it's the truth when it comes to, it comes to Urban Meyer. I thought that that would be where it starts and where it finishes. With a guy like Chris Doyle and the complete turn in 180, and in a lot of ways rightfully so because people are so upset about something like this. This is such a bad look by Jacksonville, by Urban Meyer, where you had to learn a lesson very, very quickly about this, is that there are things that you can believe in. And he can believe that what Chris Doyle said was wrong. He can also believe that what Chris Doyle said was wrong and that he could learn from him. He can believe that. But there's also going to be a perception to your organization for bringing that guy in. And whether or not the public, and we can believe in second chances. We can believe in third chances. We can do that. We can do those things. 
But there is a penalty to be paid to the public, whether it be a given amount of time, whether it be the interview process, charitable work, whatever it could be. There is something you have to go through to the public to make that sort of thing palatable. And while you even do that, there's going to be something that said that's still going to be a group of people that's going to be very upset about something like that. You bring in other people that have had these problems, and and this is where we have to draw the line. There are people who, what they do, provides a service, provides a service of entertainment. There are guys who get away with things, or they're, they're forgiven quicker because of what they do. Because they're football players, baseball players, basketball players, we can watch them, we see them be successful, and that helps us in our heads. This is just how society works. It helps us in our heads forgive those people. Their greatness is personified, so it helps us rationalize no matter what we do. And because we're fans of these teams, we're always going to try to rationalize that our team's trying to do it right, whether it be college or pro or anything, it's going to help us come along with it. This is a position coach, or this is a strength and conditioning coach that rarely you see. And because he became the pinpointed problem in Iowa, that should have been your first recognition that this isn't worth it. Herb, buddy, you are under the microscope. The stories, I didn't write the stories. I didn't I didn't think they were as, as big of a deal going to the NFL as some other people did. The Christine Brennans of the world and so on, and, and people who, who have, and that's not a shot. We need the, whether I agree with them or not, that we need these people to try to hold coaches, to try to hold major figures accountable. That's not a shot. But the people who write these stories where you were under the microscope of whether or not you were going to take the Jacksonville Jaguar job or not, and the people who are upset, you've justified their position in a matter of weeks. You, Chris Doyle is who you decide to bring in after, after all this? After the University of Iowa, well, we've been friends for 20 years and I've been through the vetting process. You've been through the vetting process, and you can believe that all you want, that that person has paid their paid their fiddler the best they possibly could, but you still have to understand that this is still also a political appointment as a head coach in the NFL. And because you're not in college anymore, you're dealing with players that while they're young, they're not as impressed as what college kids are. They're professionals now. They make money. And to them, while they don't make nearly the amount of money that you make and have made throughout your career, to them they make bleep you money. Where they have their power, they have their opinions. They're grown men with jobs, with with mortgages, with car notes, with things that they have to pay for. This is not college anymore. And I think that Urban Meyer was excited that this isn't college anymore. I don't have to worry about a board of regents and compliance or any of the other things. I don't have to worry about that. But already in the course of three, four weeks, you've missed the calling already. Get back to that coming up in a bit. 855-2124-CBS. We got him now. We welcome in Matt Tift, co-owner of the Live Fast Motorsports number 78 Ford Mustang. Hello, Matt. Hey, well, sorry about that, guys. We had a little situation down here in Daytona because it is, it is pouring rain. So, final Daytona 500 practice was canceled. So, 
we are trying to get our plans in place here for the Daytona 500 uh, for tomorrow. So, so okay. So there's this was the final practice, right? Yeah, we had um, we oh, had our gosh. first practice this morning and the final practice. So first practice was cut short and final practice was rained out. So, so. we were scrambling, getting the tarps out, making sure our uh, Ford Mustang was put um, put to sleep a little bit there, so we didn't get. Uh, you know, it's funny with these cars; they're not like street cars. There's little intricacies yeah. to everything to where little bits of rain gets in the radio, the motor, whatever. It uh, it wreaks havoc when you have to race for 500 miles tomorrow. So we're trying to make sure everything was all good to go, and our plan was in place today. So. So for a second, I'm going, oh, gosh, because I was trying to watch final practice, and I didn't even realize. I go, yeah, it's raining. We might not be able to get them right at 11.15, but we got you. What are your feelings getting ready for the Daytona 500, Matt? I got a lot of questions to ask. I got a short amount of time. Go. What's your feelings right now? Um, Okay, I'll I'll use one-word phrases here. Um, Excited, nervous, anxious, uh, pumped, and um, scared to death. (laughs) Are you going to be sitting on the box for this race? I will be, yes. I'm, I'm excited to get down there. It's going to be a totally different deal. It's been so different the whole weekend because as a driver, there's so many obligations and things to do. And as an owner, I've had all the obligations that, you know, the three months leading up to this, but uh, not this weekend. So it's a little bit weird. So you're, I, I didn't even realize. I thought you were older than what you were. I thought you were like late 20s. You're only 24? Yes, sir. So how did this deal – now, I know that we talk, I know you've had a brain tumor. I know you've been recently diagnosed with epilepsy as well, so you can't race anymore. And we'll get into some of that. But how, how does this whole thing come together? Because I go, oh, well, you know, Matt's got a good personality. I didn't know what you were going to do. I thought you might do media. And then all of a sudden I was getting ready to reach out to you. Hey, you want to come on the show and do some things? And all of a sudden I see that you're part of this race team and you're a co-owner of a race team. How did this happen? Yeah, so um, BJ McLeod, my other um, co-owner there, and uh, myself, we got together, and um, basically we just had an idea. It was a pipe dream about a year ago, then all of a sudden during the summer, um, of course, this is a short version, but um, a charter, um, which is like a franchise, basically, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, came for sale. Uh, we scrambled. We th- I mean, we shouldn't have gotten this, to be honest with you. There's so many big players in this game, like Michael Jordan, Pitbull, um, you know, Floyd Mayweather in there, too, and uh-huh. um, I don't know how... But um, one way or another, we were able to, um, you know, talk with them and work with them and get this team, this charter, um, and all the cars and everything. So it's been a deal put together really quick. Um, but it's something I'm really passionate about. I wanted to be back in the sport. I wanted to do something with NASCAR. And it's been so fully immersive. It's been awesome. Um, in fact, probably more involved now than I ever have been, even as a driver. I'm way more involved in NASCAR than I have been. So for you, this is obviously, I mean, you guys, you're – You've had a lifetime of experience already. You're 24 years old. You're a brain tumor survivor. You've talked about that at length. A lot of great stuff you've done with charity and th- things of that nature. What about the epilepsy? How did that get diagnosed? Because from some of the interviews I saw, you you really wrestled with letting that being known because you really didn't want to. You didn't want to admit you had it. Yeah, no, it was um, it was diagnosed in January of 2020, and it took me to January of 2021 to talk about it. And um, you know, I was. I had a seizure at Martinsville that put me back in 2019 that put me out of the race car and out of, um, you know, uh, driving competition. But, uh, you know, it was the second one in December where they said, okay, well, you've had more than one now. Um, you know, they got to they gotta see what's going on. So in the summer of 2020, I did a 10-day study, um, an EEG up at University Hospitals in Cleveland and uh, learned a bunch of stuff from there, changed some medication. That's been helping so much. So, uh, you know, it's great now because I'm able to lead a you know, pretty normal life now, which is awesome. 
um, and obviously do all the things I'm doing over here at uh, Live Fast Motorsports. But, um, yeah, it was a, a big battle mentally to uh, to announce it. But even the month before, just talking about it with people, I started opening up a little bit and saying that I had it. And I was like, oh, so-and-so had a seizure. Uh, my, my nephew has it. My, my brother has epilepsy. It became so common. I was like, you know what, I, I feel like I needed to talk about it because just that sense of relief in the small part there was helping me a lot to feel like a sense of community. And then, um, you know, after that, it was really like, wow, okay, um, that was a huge weight lifted off my shoulders. It was scary as crap to announce that, but um, I was so happy afterwards that I did. Matt Tiff joining us on the show, co-owner of the Live Fast Motorsports number 78 Ford Mustang. Follow him on Twitter, at Matt underscore Tiff. So what are, what's the biggest thing that you've had to learn as a car owner? Um, probably getting on time to your show when we're scrambling to, uh, to get back to practice there. <laughs> no, I, I think it's just, you know, it's, it's more encompassing, um, of everything. So it's, it's personnel, it's budgets, it's, um, sponsorship still, it's, um, competition wise, you're, you're doing things still that are very similar with Ford. Um, but it's also, it's also planning a business, you know, it's looking for the five, 10, 15, 20 year, um, mark. And planning, how do you get there? How do you become a powerhouse team? How do you do that? And it's not overnight. You know, it's so easy to spend a bunch of money and get out of it um, and get, you know, get kind of kicked out of the sport because you, you go broke. Um, so there's a way to do things right. There's a way to do things successfully. And, um, you know, it's just the hardest part is just trying to um, get to Daytona is the biggest thing because we started this deal so late. Um, we didn't have cash flow. We didn't have equipment. We didn't have cars until pretty much Thanksgiving. And um, here we are with 13 cars, um, not all completely put together yet, but with 13 cars we got, and we had to go build a Daytona 500 car um, pretty much from Thanksgiving to now, which most teams take the entire year to go and massage on that car. So how much of a schedule are you guys running this year? I didn't see. Are you guys doing all 36? Or are you guys doing less? What are you doing? No, we'll be doing every single race, all on 36, with the two exhibition races, so all 38. And um, with that being said, I talked about having a charter, which is like the franchise there. So mm-hmm. as a chartered car, um, you have to compete in every single race, and um, we wouldn't want it any other way. That's what we're here to do is race. So, and, and some people don't, because there's, there's, it's always kind of fun when you pay attention to some of the, the scanners and things like that, because there's like a race within a race and how mm-hmm. that may how that may run. And so for you guys, you know, it's it's one thing like Daytona, Talladega. Yeah, you always got a real shot to win those races. There's going to be races that you're good at. There's going to be races that are not as good. What are your goals as a team for 2021 here? You know, the biggest one, like you said, is um, Super Speedways. We have a chance to shine and do well, kind of survive through the race, and we'll be there at the end. So still a win or top five or top ten. Um, but realistically, we know with our funding and what we have right now, um, we're planning for 2022 when we have a next-gen car that's Brand new cars, it's like going from a C7 Corvette to a C8, like brand new everything. Um, so there's a big cost associated with it. Um, so we know that's coming. So we're not trying to overdo everything with spending in 21. Um, but with that being said, we know we're building for that. So I'd say, you know, somewhere between the 28th to 30th range will be on speed week to week. And then past that, hopefully, you know, we have good runs in there and we keep on learning and keep on building to where the second half of the season we're in that 25th place mark. Um, but you know, there's going to have to be some guys that, you know, getting wrecks and do things like that. But we could have a couple of days this year. We get a top 20. But um, a lot of people don't know to get to get past that point. It's not necessarily a skill. It's not necessarily doing things right. It's just, um, you know, if you hand me $10 million, we'll go, we'll go run pretty well. 
Beth Tiff joining us on the show. Okay, you're a NASCAR driver. You've been a NASCAR driver. You're a NASCAR owner. Who are your sponsors? Come on, let's go. Name them. Let's go. you got to do right, that. So this weekend we got NASCAR Heat 5 with Motorsport Games, the developer, as well as Xbox on there. Um, we got Corvette Parts, which is awesome because they're on a Mustang, and they call it, I think, uh-huh. their – um, Corsang or something like that. I, I forget the name, but they uh, so they make a bunch of Corvette parts. And then we have some more that will be announced. We also just announced our partnership um, with Celsius Energy Drink. And um, yeah, there'll be a bunch more coming. Um, as well as we also got Malco um, Automotive Products out of uh, Northeast Ohio there, um, helping us out with all our, our lubricants and shine and um, all the stuff to make the car, you know, not greasy and uh, not squeaky there. So I'm, I'm excited to have them back too. Um, they were in the very, very beginning of my racing career back in go-karts and late models back in 08 to uh, 2010. Matt Tiff joining us on the show. Coner, Live Fast Motorsports, number 78, Ford Mustang. Follow him on Twitter, at Matt underscore Tift. I'm tickled, man. I'm really tickled for you to get this opportunity and for you guys to run in this race. I'll be paying attention to you all year long. You know that. Uh, Matt, continued success. Hopefully we'll talk to you again very soon, bud. That's awesome. Well, you guys look out for the number 78. Tomorrow, it's a bright blue car, so if you can't see it, you need to readjust your TV settings, and we'll see you out there. <laughs> Matt, thank you very much. Matt Tiff joining us on the show. It's a beautiful-looking car. The beautiful 78. The, seven, the number 78's won a championship recently, so you should be able to find it. Pirano, thank you very much. We'll get back into the Urban Meyer stuff. We'll talk about top five. I got to get to the very patient Last latest sports update with the very patient, Marco Belletti. This is the Ken Carmen Show on CBS Sports Radio. Oh, it's time. It is so time. I'm looking. This was one of the easiest ones to do, but we're going to go down memory lane here for a few of these. For a few, there are oh, a couple yes. here that I wrote that I wasn't alive for, but but we're going to go down victory lane. Here. Oh yeah, we're going to go down memory lane and then go down victory lane, obviously, because it is time for the top five and time for the top five Daytona 500 finishes of all time. I'm so here, guys. America, Pierno was sending me pictures of his die casts earlier this week. His 164th model, Hot Wheels, Tony Stewart's still in the package. You got that, you had a Rusty Wallace mug, right? Yeah, a little cup. I, oh, I do man. have I do have a, a Rusty die cast up in my closet I have to oh, get that's out. fantastic. My, uh, my producer, Kenny Kidd, got me a, I felt, this. see, this is the weird thing here. Kidd got me a, is it 124 scale um, model? Of, uh, of Dale's car, the number three. Gotcha. And he's like, is that cool, man? I go, I was like, yeah, man, it's perfect. It's original packaging. I go, plus it smells like cigarettes, and that's how you know it's real <laughs> in NASCAR, man. If you, you don't need a certificate of authenticity. If the thing smells like Winston, you know you got something legitimate. All right, Pierno, go Top ahead. Top five Daytona 500 finishes. Also for you wrestling fans out there, uh, oh. Sa- Sasha Banks is the starter for the uh, this year's race. Really? So, yes. Wow. Sasha Banks, the boss. Good the, for her. Yes. The WWE SmackDown Women's Champion will be at the Daytona 500 tomorrow. All right, number five for me, uh, going with Mark Martin, one of my favorites. Uh, you had mentioned uh, when we were doing the paint schemes last week, also one of the great paint schemes with the number six Valvoline. Uh, Valvoline. 
Uh, but again, one of the greatest drivers of all time. He was trying to win the Great American Race as we go back to uh, 2007 here. It was his 23rd attempt. It looked like he was on his way to victory. However, on the last lap, Kevin Harvick made a late surge. They were neck and neck. Kyle Busch attempted to pass them. He got loose, spun out, caused a massive wreck. You had Clinton Boyer flipping, and he skidded across the finish line on his roof. And then here's where the controversy comes in. The caution flag did not come out. Harvick just edged Martin to the finish line by, what, two thousandths of a second? So that was Harvick's first Daytona 500 win. Mendy felt that there should have been a caution flag, which might have helped Martin there overcome the late surge. So Mark Martin falls short the 2007 Daytona 500. Number four. And here's when our audio comes in now. Yes. It was the Dale and Dale Show, 1993 on CBS. Here he comes, Earnhardt. It's the Dale and Dale Show. It's become off a turn four. You know who I'm pulling for. It's Dale Jarrett. Bring her to the inside, Dale. Don't let him get down there. He's He's going to make it. Dale Jarrett's going to win the Daytona 500. All right. Oh, look at Martha. Oh, dear. Oh, can you believe it? The Dale and Dale Show, first win for Joe Gibbs Racing as Dale Jarrett holds off Dale Earnhardt. Jarrett wound up passing Earnhardt there on the final lap of the race. And, of course, what makes that really special is Dale's father, Ned Jarrett, was in the broadcast booth, and you heard him coaching his son to the victory. So a very heartwarming moment there. So as this would have been 93, so I was six. I would have been turning seven. As a six-year-old, I hated Ned Jarrett and I hated Dale Jarrett for that whole thing because I wanted Dale Earnhardt to win so bad. But now I look back at it at 34 and go, okay, you know what? That's really cool. Your dad's up at the booth. They yeah. showed the mom, the whole thing. That's really, really cool. So, All yeah, right. that, that's definitely deserving of there. It's not on my top five, but I love it. Go ahead. Now we go to the 1970s. And, again, CBS had the call. Uh, the 1979 Daytona 500. It's all come down to this. Out of turn two, Donnie Allison in first. Where will Kale make his move? He comes to the inside. Donnie Allison throws the block. Kale hits him. He slides. Donnie Allison slides. They hit again. They drive into the turn. They're hitting the wall. They're head on the wall. They slide down to the inside. Let's watch those third place cars. They're out of it. Who is going to win it? Richard Petty. The great master has just recorded his 186th career, and, and there's a fight between Cale Yarborough and Donnie Allison. The tempers overflowing. They're angry. They know they have lost, and what a bitter defeat. Final lap of the race, Donnie Allison, Cale Yarborough battling for the win with a big lead. Yarborough tries to pass low. Alice, when Allison blocks, they bang each other back and forth before crashing. Richie Petty... Richard Petty goes on uh, for the win in the race, and then Donnie and Cal got out of their cars, start throwing punches, uh, punches, then Bobby Allison, Donnie's brother, comes over to help his brother. Just a wild scene. And, of course, this was the uh, – it was actually perfect timing with this yep. fight because this was the first televised uh, race live uh, – televised from start to finish. First time the race was televised live start to finish. So usually it had been on tape. So the incident, of course, you know, drew a lot of attention to the sport uh, for the first time. So that was number three. 
Uh, number two now, we're going to go to 1976 on ABC. Here it is, Richard Petty versus David Pearson. Richard Petty and Pearson go high. Pearson now has the lead. Petty tries to go back down on the inside as they come out of the fourth turn. They only have about 750 yards to go. Oh! It's an they did hit. Oh. Teddy smashes into the wall. Will he come across the start-finish line? He's going to win the race. He's going to win it spinning as he, I believe, will take the checkered flag. No, he did not make it. He is less than 100 yards from it. Here comes Pearson. Pearson is going to try to make it across the finish line. Teddy has his car going. Pearson's going to win it. Oh, gosh, Randall, he wins the race. What? Finish the I've never seen anything like that. It's unbelievable. So Richard Petty there leading during the final wrap of the race. Pearson slingshots past Petty in turn three. They make contact. The two hit the outside wall, spun in the infield grass. Both cars are damaged. So who is going to finish first? Who's going to cross that line? Petty was 100 yards away. He was unable to get his car started. Pearson crept across the line to register the victory. So Richard Petty was David Pearson number two. What made it even more amazing is David Pearson, it was, I don't know if it was luck or just what he was doing. He was pushed, he kept the, the clutch pushed in. And that's what kept the car ignited. And so he was able to get it going instead of trying to restart it. And that's when Petty's people had to come out and run out there and try to push him across the line. An incredible finish. A very great number two. Go ahead. All right, number one, let's go back to 1998. 20 years of trying, 20 years of frustration. Dale Earnhardt will come to the caution flag to win the Daytona 500. Finally, the most anticipated moment in racing. If John Elway can win the Super Bowl, Dale Earnhardt said he could win the Daytona 500. And he did. Mike Joy with the call on CBS. Dale Earnhardt was able to get his elusive victory there in the great American race. Uh, On his way to the winner's circle, of course, every crew member lined up at the exit of the pit road to congratulate Earnhardt on his victory. So the Intimidator, number one on my list, the 1998 Daytona 500. So good. We are one off, basically. We are one off on ours. Mine is my number five is the same as your number five. Oh seven Harvick over Mark Martin in the fi- in the very final part. Now I'm pulling for Mark Martin in a lot of ways, obviously, uh, because it's been 23 years. He's never really great at super speedways. He's had wins at super speedways, but he hates them, and he hated them then. He hates them now even. Um, but that. That move at the end, maybe there should have been a caution. I'm going, man, how did he just barrel through that quickly? Kevin Harvick did. And then ended up finishing in a basically a photo finish. My number four was 76 with David Pearson, the wreck at the end, kept the clutch pushed in and was able to get it get it going and, and, and get it across the, the finish line. Number three, you're going to be surprised by this since I'm such a big Dale fan. Number three is 1998. That's my number three. There are two more that I think are are even more significant. Number two is 1959 Lee Petty. And the win over Johnny Bochamp, the photo finish, it took three days, which, I mean, you got to give it to Big Bill France, man. Because there might have been... They're, they might have been able to get that thing developed by the next day, but no, 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 no. That Let's, was the that was the first time. That was the first time off the beach, right? Yeah, yeah. That, that was the first time. That was the first at the actual super speedway that was 
was deemed unsafe and too big for, for open wheel cars, but just perfect for big, heavy American stock cars. And Lee Petty across the finish line where it took three days, that anticipation, you never know what you're going to see, the crown jewel race, the Daytona 500, but right there in, in sunny Florida, it was perfect. There's great showmanship by Big Bill France. The guy was ahead of his time. He really was. Number one, number one is 1979. It's got to be. For every reason you just said. And and you hear the voice of Ken Squire. Ken Squire has to feel 30 feet tall during that call. First off, he's got to tell everybody where the leaders are. So he's got to, you hear him in the end going, our leaders are in Richard Petty is in turn four. Our leaders are in four, meaning get the camera on Richard Petty. Basically, Ken Squire, the father of, of auto racing in America on television, had to call the race and direct it because they weren't used to shooting motorsports. They're used to shooting football and baseball and basketball and golf and all this. They weren't sh- used to shooting motorsports live on television, flag to flag. CBS, they did an incredible job. They put the camera right down there along the fence to see him whooshing by the whole thing. And then to see that type of a finish where the Northeast is in a snowed-in situation, people are going to, well, let's just watch this. And to see that unfold where there's a fight at the end, the bitter, the, 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 the emotion, all of it, all of it, ushered in, I mean, really the golden age of stock car racing that, in, in America that carried over for the next 20 years. Now, I know they've fallen on some hard time today, and I hope that changes, but Boy, that, that, that came around, honestly, 25 years if you think about it. It was the mid-2000s where it started to, to take, a, take a slip. But, my goodness, that was a great top five. Uh, by you the know, way, let's hear, let's yeah. hear real quick from Dale uh, post-98 on CBS. This is for all them race fans and all them people have been saying, Dale, this is your year. Dale, this is your year. And, boy, a lot of them said it this year. All the way from Mr. France all the way down to Todd Parrott and all the guys on the team. The Daytona 500 is ours. We've won it. We've won it. We've won it. Fantastic from Dale Earnhardt. The Make-A-Wish uh, girl with the penny, where he glued the penny on the dash, the whole thing. There was bouncing a step the whole week. And you go back the year before, remember when he did that barrel roll down the backstretch and then got back in the car because he could. He felt he could fire it back up. The whole thing was fantastic. And then also another very good finish the year after in 99, him and Jeff Gordon battling right. it out. Jordan, That's right. Uh, Gordon edged him out. Yep, that's right. The time I went in 05, it was Gordon who won. Got to get back. But what a fantastic top five. Coming up in just about, uh, let's give it about a good hour. We'll do work or shoot. Up next, Randy Cross. What did he think of Super Bowl 55? What's he think of J.J. Watt? Where's Deshaun Watson going? We'll talk to the three-time Super Bowl champ. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.